And the Lord is just with me and saying, okay, do you believe that I'm sovereign? Yes, Lord. Do you believe I'm with you? Yes, Lord. And let me. Let me care for you. Welcome to this week's episode of the His Hill Podcast. My name is Kelly Darty, and I'm your host. Today, I have a couple of friends with me. They're also teachers at His Hill. They are full-time teachers here while I'm just uh, cover guest speaker hours. But uh, they're, they're friends of mine. They actually were both students of mine uh, years ago. And uh, now they're here full-time on staff. We even uh, take part in filling the pulpit at Bernie Bible. And it's just really fun to see how they have grown in the Lord and how they have and how the Lord's using them, how he's put them in the positions that he has. We have uh, two people that you've heard from before. We have uh, John Forrest, who is the principal or the dean of the Bible school. And then we have Connor, pa- Connor Patterson, who is the camp director. And I have them here with me for the purpose of just uh, sharing with uh with you some verses out of scripture that the Lord has used in our lives independently and uh, to just uh, tell you, you know, how the Lord's used them and how he's made um, himself known to us through these verses. So without, uh, without rambling and rambling, like so easy for me to do, let's go ahead and jump into this. Let's start with you, John. John, what's a verse that you want to share with us? Thanks, Kelly. Uh, the, the verse that I was uh, just really thinking about, and I think it's been one that I've uh, had on my, my mind for a number of years, uh, that the Lord just continued to, to bring back, and it's in First Peter chapter 1, uh, and, and I get to teach through First Peter with our first-year students every spring, and so it's, uh, it's a good reminder for me as I get to revisit it and, and look into it each time. And so First Peter chapter 1 and verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And, I mean, Peter, as he's writing, he's writing to to believers who are facing persecution. They've been been forced to move from their homes because of the different persecutions that have come in. And and as they've had to relocate... uh, how, how Peter begins this letter in this very in these first few verses is here in verse three he says, "Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ." Just giving praise, you know, thanks to God uh, for for who God is and what God has done in salvation, uh, and so I, it's just beginning with praise uh, towards the Lord and and recognizing that it's it's in the mercy of God. Uh, that he has provided salvation. According to his great mercy, he's opened this door for us to come and be in Christ. Uh, According to his great mercy, he's caused us to be born again to a living hope. Uh, And and again, we we talk often about uh, how easy it is to talk about the cross of Christ and yet you look in the book of Acts and it's consistent that it's the cross and the resurrection that are preached uh, in, in the early church. And Peter does the same thing here. He says that, yes, we've been born again, but it's to a living hope and that's made available through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's what 
what we're brought into in salvation is that our hope is alive and that that he's bringing us into newness of life and it's not just forgiveness of sins but it's also the hope of a better future and that the better future is found in the person of jesus and so, yeah, there are just some, some initial thoughts that, that I have there on this verse that the Lord has just used time and time again to just encourage my heart of just in a nutshell, just some of the sweet realities that are always in Christ in, in light of his death and his resurrection. Mm. Yeah, I appreciate that. You know, as you were talking, it made me uh, remember of some, some things that we talked about in, in Sunday school this last Sunday, which you were in, you know, looking at a, a, a study in Jonah. And the whole picture of Christ, you know, that Jonah gives us being in the fish, that, you know, that there, there's resurrection in that picture. And I, you know, I think how easy it is for us to miss that, you know, to, to miss the, the life and how that should impact us. That, you know, there's no hope in death. Yeah. <laughs> Our hope, you know, this, this hope we have, and, and that hope meaning certainty, is the, is the fact, the reality that Jesus is alive and, and how much that should impact us every day all day is um is something we need to remind each other of uh, that we need to be living this there's something different there's something different about the believer that no one else in the world it, it can't can even come close to knowing and that's in no matter what situation no matter how dark it may be we have this hope we have this certainty we have this life that is not something but someone. It, it is Christ. He's alive and he lives in us. Yeah, and, and it is just such a such a sweet reminder that you know he brings us from death into life. And and that that is to be our experience now in Christ. That as we abide in him, we're abiding not simply in, in his death, but we're abiding in his life. Mm. And and as we abide in his life, then the result is fruit you know it's going to bear the fruit of life and so yeah just that that reminder is is very precious yeah thank you yeah well, if i could just jump in for a second i <clears throat> was thinking when, when john was sharing kind of putting some thoughts together some verses together as i could find it but um in hebrews and kelly you might know a lot more just with this passage teaching it but um i think of hebrews 10 and it says, um, talking about the former days when you, after being enlightened, you endured great conflicts of sufferings. And he goes on to say, partly by being made public spectacle through reproaches and tribulations, and partly by becoming shares with those who were treated, for you showed sympathy to the prisoners and accepted joyfully the seizure of your property, knowing that you have for yourselves a better possession and a lasting one. And that last little line there, uh, you know, all the momentary, quote, you know, light afflictions that that happen in life, you know, in light of the better and lasting possession of Christ, mm. we're able to endure. You know, mm. that is the the mark of endurance that the believers that Peter's writing to um, know, the living hope, the endurance of Christ, he's a better possession for then fill in the blank, whether that's the better possession and a lasting one of money or of homes or of relationships he is the better and lasting possession mm. and which causes us to endure. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. That's great. Um, Connor, what's, what's a verse you have? I've been recently in first John a lot and just the epistles of John for the most part, cause they just, they, they overlap so much together. A lot of themes that are there. I, 
I teach the gospel of John, the second year class, um, which I got from Kelly in that transition on staff, which has been a joy and a blessing. And in the beginning of that gospel, John starts in a completely different way than all the other gospel writers, you know, in this super beautiful, almost poetic, you know, tapestry of, of who Jesus is, you know, starting not with his genealogy physically, but really starting in the beginning, right? Starting with him as the word, mm -hmm. uh, kind of, you know, references back to Jesus. He's the alpha and the omega right. in the beginning of all things. And so, uh, and, and there, there's, a word and in this verse, very simple verse, uh, in, in verse four, which says in him was life and the life was the light of men. And I've been thinking about this word light and, uh, I've been preparing to preach at Bernie Bible this upcoming Sunday on the sixth. And so thinking about light, I just, I don't think it's ever really struck me as much as it has now, how much in scripture light is is made reference to, um, you know, just a simple observation. It's the first thing that God creates in the beginning. And it's the last thing we really see about Jesus in the new heaven and the new earth. He is his presence. He is the light and there is no more sun anymore. You know, he is the light that illumines all that is there, um, you know, by his presence. And so there is from the very beginning through the very end of scripture, there is an emphasis on light is all throughout scripture. Uh, Jesus is going to make reference to himself as I am the light of the world, but also this cohesion that light brings life. Apart from light, we have no life. You know, physically, that is true. We know that from the sun and just the physical principle If the sun was not in our universe, you know, how long we have to live before we freeze to death, you know, which is approximately eight minutes. Uh, you know, I'm reminded of whenever Jewel goes away and I'm watering the plants that they don't just need water, but they also need to be put in light. <laughs> and we find that out very quickly about how I, when I kill the plants, that that is imperative for, for life to grow. So it's not only just imperative for to, to start life, but it is imperative to continue to sustain life. Um, and throughout the word, there's so much that light gives reference to life is the biggest one in this verse that I see, you know, in him was the light of, in, in him was life and the life was the light of men. It's the revelation of men. It's the, it reveals, it exposes what life was meant to be. Uh, you know, we are just, we're just a, a shell of who we are apart from the life of Christ in us. One author said, you know, to, to, truly be living is to know the presence of God in you, mm. you know, which is a very striking, um, reference to, you know, to those who we know are living physically in this world, but really, are they really living because they're not necessarily living in the presence and in the light of who Christ is in their life? Um, again, that doesn't just show identity, but it also reveals just experience experientially, you know, the revelation of what we see in this world around us, how we see the things in this world. Now with the light of life in us, we, we see people as God sees people. We see him as, as he's meant to be seen. We see ourselves in light of him, you know, there's, so there's just this beautiful picture of light that represents God's character. And intangibly with that, we also see life. And that makes sense because God is the author of life. If, um, 
if you're interested in hearing Connor expound more on that, <laughs> he'll be he will be preaching at Bernie Bible this Sunday, and uh, you can if you go find Bernie Bible online, the, uh, the, the the sermon will be there. It'll be posted on the website, also on YouTube and Facebook, and you can watch it live on Facebook as well. Are we still live streaming? Is that still a thing yeah. for Bernie Bible? Okay, yeah, still that, is. that little camera still there? Yeah. All right. Well, you could live stream with me. <laughs> Yeah, I was just thinking, uh, the other day this verse caught my attention in Matthew six twenty two, mm. when he says, the eye is the light of the body, or, or the, the lamp, the eye is the lamp of the body. And I was thinking, like, okay, my eye does not generate light, so how is my eye a, a lamp? And, and yet, he says, you know, if your eye is clear, then your body will be full of light. And... And yeah, you know, I, I don't. I haven't done a big study into it. Of just thinking through what, what all the implications are of them, what the, yeah, what he's meaning there, but just that uh, again, the importance of light in the body. You know, is that he he does see and make this association between light and life, and that if if your body is full of light, it's full of life. Mm. Yeah, there's a, a you know the, the simple observation that's been made that you know darkness cannot exist where light is. Yeah, and I think it's an incredible you know statement and thought to mm-hmm. have you know because we so often you know the, the the darkness that we encounter in life whether it's from sin or it's trial or or it's a combination of both of those things or, or for whatever reason you know that that um, you know the theme verse for the the whole podcast ministry being Hebrews twelve two. To, that we're to be fixing our eyes on Jesus, uh, you know, th- the importance of being with Christ in the light. You know, th- that's the whole idea of, of Jesus saying, you know, the truth, you shall know the truth, the truth shall make you free. Well, in the context of that, it comes from, you know, from abiding with him in his word, being with him. And, you know, I think that's a great check for us. You know, am, am I in light or am I in darkness? Am I with Christ or am I on my own here with this? And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a simple thought. You guys know I need simple thoughts. I need those pictures. And, you know, light and darkness is an incredible picture. And we're to be, and, and, and the Lord intends for us to be in the light. Mm-hmm. to be with him mm-hmm. we were created for that we were created for that light that he that, that he brings up that he's brought about yeah yeah he is yeah i mean the the whole like, the whole thing you just said about truth you know the truth set you free same chapter in which jesus says i'm the light of the world you know they're in mm-hmm. they're in chapter eight uh and he says he who follows me will not walk in the darkness but will have the light of life so even in that there's this connection between life or light and truth mm-hmm. you know light exposes what is true you know you, you you're in a dark room pitch dark room you have no idea what's in there until you turn on your flashlight right you know? and then yeah. you, it's fully revealed oh that was there good thing i saw that also i would have stepped on that right and yeah there's a little Lego right there. My son left or something like that, you know, and you're saved from the pain of, of that, but it reveals what is true. Right. And yeah. Which again, sheds light circularly back onto the Lord because he says, I am the way, the truth mm. and the life. And so there's again, cohesion in light representing truth mm. and truth leading us to life. You know, when we believe lies, we're walking in the patterns of darkness and the pattern of darkness leads to death, you know? So, yeah, light is it's just kind of, it seems like a door that just opens up all these other aspects about who God is. It's just incredible. Yeah, t- talking about light being off and if it, when it comes on, you know where not to step. When I was a student here, 
uh, you know, back when, you know, like Charlie says, when dirt <laughs> was new, uh, I was in Bethel, you know, the, the, and you guys know what Bethel is, but yep. present students no longer know because it sadly does not exist anymore. Uh, had to have, you know, had to tear it down so John could have a front yard, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, we, we were, we had a big closet in Bethel, huge closet. And when we were there, the year I was there, we didn't use it as a closet. We used it as a study room. And so I remember being in there one night well after midnight studying, because I usually would wait till the last, you know, the night before something had to be turned in mm-hmm. or for a test to actually study. And, so I'm in there till after midnight. I walk out and it's pitch black, but it's okay. I mean, it's where I live. I know where everything is. So I start walking to my bed, which was on the other side of the room, and I hit chairs. <laughs> I fell over or almost fell over a big chair in the middle. I knocked all kinds of things down until I got almost to my bed. And I was trying to be quiet, but it was such racket. And just as I was about to get in bed, all the other guys just burst out laughing. And then I realized what was going on. I turned on the light. And they're killing themselves laughing. They had put up an obstacle course from <laughs> the study oh, room to my bed to make sure I'd hit this stuff. But had there been light, I would have been able to avoid all that. And I think sometimes, you know, we do that, don't we? We, you yeah. know, we, we figure I've got this. You know, I, I know how to handle this situation. And we, we really, you know, Hebrews tells us to encourage one another daily. So we're to remind each other, you know, Major Thomas used to tell us that, you know, to remind one another. Um, I think we, we need to hear that daily reminder that, that we need to be with him, you know, abide with him and, uh, and to guard against, you know, thinking that oh, I've got this. Mm. Do you have something else? Did I cut you off? No, no, I was going to kind of, all that kind of ties into my second uh, verse, but I'm not sure how, how we wanted to structure this. If, if okay. you had one too, or is it Yeah, I'll go. Okay. Um, okay. Well, we have a theme going with life here. So mine is from John 10, 10. So real nice. familiar verse um, where Jesus is speaking and he says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And the word abundantly, I guess, is what really jumps out at me. I was um, taking a look at one of the study helps, and it says that this word means it, it, it's, it's pertaining to a quality so abundant as to, um, con- to give considerably more than what one would expect or even anticipate. And you know, so, so we, can't, we can't imagine, really, what this is. Uh, just just how incredible this is. And I think the, the reason this verse has meant something to me throughout the years is I, you know, I became a believer when I was nine. And I uh, was, you know, I, I tell people when I'm giving my testimony that I was, I'm living proof that a person can be good. But that's not the, that doesn't mean that we can be the good that we that we were created to be or to know we can be really good but be just as miserable as a non-believer and uh and i'm i'm living proof of that that this life we were saved for is is beyond what we can comprehend and if we if we're approaching this life according to my understanding 
according to, to, to my ability, then we're really, we're really setting ourselves up for nothing but frustration and, 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 and hurt. Um, and so when I was 22, 23, I, um, that, that was the point where I came to realize that, that Christ was my life. He, he wasn't the life I was supposed to try to act like or to imitate in my strength, but, but he was my life. And that was, you know, that just revolutionized the relationship I had with him. And I, and something I appreciate about that time I had until I came on staff here was that I wasn't, and I can look back now and see this, that it was really good for me that it was just time uh, with the Lord. I didn't have, you know, um, a, a lot of these torchbearers around me. It was just the Lord and me. And even for the first part of that, Arlene didn't even really, she didn't know that Christ was her life. It wasn't until a little while later that she and I could, could, you know, fellowship with, with that reality. And, and so in, in that time, just doing, you know, studies on my own, apart from really anybody else, just, just the Lord working in my heart, the word abundant became very important to me. Mm-hmm. This the contrast between what I had been living to what I now was beginning to live was really staggering to me. Uh, this this abundant life that it, it's beyond me, and and often I don't even I'm not even aware of I'm not even aware of how incredible it is. Uh, I, well, we we were in a, a different ministry. I was an associate pastor, and just before we moved to his hill. Uh, we had been there for two years, uh, and I had no idea. I was a youth pastor, and I was teaching the kids. I had no idea that there were adults listening to things I said. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not real sure, you know, I, where they heard it, you know. But I, you know, some sometimes they came to the Bible studies, I guess. But but I, you know, people would come up to me and and say things like like that. I had I had no idea what it meant to live in Christ. But after hearing some of your, your, your teaching, I want you to know that I've come to realize I had no idea. Uh, and so it wasn't a goal. It wasn't something I was planning. Uh, but but I, I thought, wow, I mean, this abundant life is, is tangible. You know, it's, it's real. And, you know, he, he's real. And he's, you know, I, I'm nothing... I'm nothing but this empty vessel. You know, Christ living in me and through me is, it, it means Christ lives in me and through me. Uh, and, and sometimes, you know, and, and then coming here and all of a sudden being immersed in this, you know, where, where every guest speaker and, and uh, every um, resident teacher, you know, and, and, and you go to other centers and the conversations are, and that's been very profitable for me as well to, to have that. But, but I think back, uh, to that time of, you know, just kind of, you know, uh, out there away from everybody else, which I think a lot of our listeners can identify with because mm-hmm. so many of our students, you know, they, they really struggle with having left mm-hmm. and, and finding that place to plug in, uh, finding that fellowship they had here. And I guess the encouragement is because, you know, I've, I've been there. I, I know what you're talking about. The, the encouragement is that it, it's it's never been about... The, the people you're with 
though the Lord can use those people, um, it, it's never been about the pastor that you sit under, you know, though the Lord can use that pastor, but it's always from creation been about him, him his very life in us, that fellowship with him. And, uh, and that's, that's where the abundance is found. He is the abundance more than we could think. Mm. Could you say that definition again from the very beginning? Yeah. There's just something there's a thought that I have with that, but I just wanted to make, make sure it was. Yeah. It's pertaining to a quality so abundant as to be um, consistently more than what one would expect or anticipate. Yeah. That last line, when I first, when I heard that, the one word just kind of popped into my mind. It was just, I mean, isn't that grace? Mm. Really just consistently mm. more than yeah. all that we expect or even think, you yeah. know, it's, it's, and which makes sense with being Jesus is the grace of God. Mm. You know, he's the living embodiment of, of his character. And Jesus is, as we already said, that lasting possession. And, you know, the, he is the abundant life, you know, that is purely the grace of God to give us all that we could that is sufficient for our need in that moment, whether that's, you know, a lack of feeling like we have, you know, friends, uh, lack of fellowship, a lack of consistency, lack of teaching, maybe, you know, in the grace of God, he has given himself to us in abundance, who is the truth of God, who is closer than any friend. He's the relationship that is, that is greater and can fulfill more than any other can, you know, including in marriage, including, you know, fulfillment. If that's, you know, not even having kids, he's the greater fulfillment Mm -hmm. there. Um, that's grace of God that is ours in abundance in Christ in any season and in every, in every portion that, you know, we find ourselves in. So anyway, that's just a a quick thought that came to mind when you shared that, that uh, definition there. Yeah. When you say that, you know, it's, it's the, it's it's grace and that, and then you also made a comment, something like, and that is Jesus. And I think how many times we find that in scripture, you know, we talk, you know, we want grace. We look for grace. Well, what do you mean? Mm. Uh, you know, we're, we're looking for this abundance, this abundant life, you know, and, and, and uh, rest like in the book of Hebrews, you know, this is rest that we're supposed to know this peace that we're supposed. And I think so often we, we, we lose it or we miss, you know, the, the truth of that very thing you're saying that all of this is not, it's not something it's someone it's lit. It mm-hmm. is literally Christ. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, uh, there needs to be that recognition from us that, you know, you are my rest, you are my grace, you are my peace, you know, you are my joy. And I I think for me that, um, that's, that, that changes the perspective of all of this to where all of this is not something that I achieve. This is someone I know, and this is how he makes himself known. And I think that, you know, what you mentioned, Kelly, just referencing the, the students who who leave, and I think so many Christians in their Christian life who they, they read these words of having an abundant life in Christ, and and yet we often just don't know how to, well, what to do with that as far as what to expect in our own experience of life. Like, well, what does this look like experientially? to have Christ as our abundance, you know, to have an abundant life. Uh, in my experience, what does that just practically look like? And we often associate abundance in maybe positive emotions. And mm. when I'm not having an abundance of 
positive emotions or, or feelings internally, then, well, maybe I'm not really experiencing abundant life. Uh, or, you know, we can take it any direction, you know, abundance in positive circumstances, situations, favor with people. Uh, and I think that's one of the the deceptions of the devil is to to try to determine that this abundance is supposed to look a certain way experientially outside of simply the person of Jesus Christ. Yeah. yeah, that the abundant life is is walking in a relationship with Jesus. And I mean, but this this idea just comes up so much in Jesus' teachings and throughout scripture. I was thinking of uh, in John chapter seven when when he says, Come to me all who are thirsty and, and you will drink and out of your heart will flow rivers of living water. Mm-hmm. It's a picture of abundance. Yeah. Like there's more than you can handle. Yeah. Uh, and and consistently, that's how Jesus describes a relationship with him, and and so I think it's just the encouragement in in my own heart, just to to be reminded that as I'm always trying to figure out, maybe always isn't the right word, but consistently we're trying to figure out how do I interpret my experience. Uh, in light of this promise of abundance and and recognizing that what I'm ex- what I ought to be experiencing is the person of Jesus uh, and and coming to the person of Christ as mm. the abundant life and not expecting that that the abundant life experience is a particular experience of certain emotions or or situations yeah we uh, I had a, a pastor the first man that I remember preaching Christ uh, Jim Merriman, he's home with the Lord now, but he used to tell us that you know we all have our things that we repeat, right? You know we have little sayings, and and his one of his was this that we are not to be circumstance controlled, but Christ controlled, and I think you know how you know how really deep such a simple statement is because we we do you know we. Am I experiencing the abundant life? Well, we judge it by what? By by how I feel, or you know, how good or how bad a situation is, and the abundance again. It's you know, it, it, it's beyond that. You know, it's it's beyond what we anticipate. It's it's the reality of Him and all that He is in the midst of whatever good or bad we're going through, and you know how much you know how much more, uh, how how much more rewarding, how much deeper that is than what we want to make it to be i was just thinking as y'all were talking is like i know i've heard this before you know in classes and i know how often i've come i've come to this truth and kind of this fresh hit on oh yeah like i cannot be i should not be controlled by my circumstances it's amazing how that theme never leaves Mm. no matter how long you you know if you were a student here you're not going to graduate from that uh if you're on staff here like that does not change and it's we need to really sit and hear that again and not just like oh yeah yeah, i heard that bible school once you know but really reflect on the as john was saying where the, the practicality of no but how does jesus take preeminence in this moment of my life right now right. i think if we really stopped and just took those thoughts captive right now this is how jesus is better it would it would really change our outlook yeah you know for me my the 
not my testimony, but a testament of this really just not that long ago was Callum, my son, was just not doing well sleeping. And I'm a sleep-oriented person. Like, I knew that before I even had kids. I need sleep. You know, my wife is geared that way. And he started off really well, three months. You know, he was he was kind of getting the hang of it. We're like, wow, this is great. Thank you, Lord. Four months, he gets sick. Sickness with babies causes, you know, they're up at night. And I was just thinking, I realized one night, two o'clock in the morning, I'm praying, God, make him stop. God, you know, do this. And he's not stopping. So, so then suddenly my thought is, well, is God even listening? Does God even care? Does God even, you know, fill in the blank there? And I was frustrated with the Lord. And then it just, what I teach the students came back up in my mind. Yeah, I am asking for a circumstance to change that God never promised. If anything, God is allowing to show me more and more is keeping it there to show me that this is not the way a we approach God. This is not how he responds to us. And this is not the life of the Christian in that moment my prayer changed. And, and it's one of the greatest things that changed when I came to Bible school, my prayer life changed when I realized that Christ is my life to not, I don't need more of something. I don't need the situation to change. It became that, that two o'clock morning, Jesus, I need you to be my love for my child right now and my care as a parent and, and, and really my endurance, you know, to not just get through this, to get back to sleep, but to really give the love of God to my son in this moment that is selfless. I don't have that in me. You need to be this, you know, and that was six years. I've been like, I was already on staff for six years. And I come back to that, you know, and uh, Paul says in Philippians to write the same things again is no trouble to me. Yeah. And it's a safeguard to you. Yeah. We need to come back to this truth and, and really take these, these thoughts captive in our present moments. How does Jesus take preeminence in this? Yeah. Uh, I think what we're talking about, you know, we, what you're saying there, you know, and you teach the book of James, I used to teach it and, you know, it, I think what you're talking about is at the root of the issue we take with chapter one, verse two, you know, consider it all joy. And right away, we want to try to interpret that in a palatable way, you know, to where, you know, okay, I I don't want to take joy in this circumstance. And so obviously joy means something else. But when you do a word study, you realize joy means joy. And any other way it's used in in scripture describes an emotion and so well what well i think james is trying to push us there a little bit that listen your joy is not dependent on your circumstances yeah you know, because your joy is a person mm-hmm. you know? yeah amen all right let's go back to john all right uh so yeah another another verse that's really struck me. Uh, I think that uh, I just have such a great appreciation for some of these major prophets, uh, Isaiah and, and Jeremiah in particular, and just how just how clear and crisp and blunt they are uh, as they're proclaiming the word of the Lord. Uh, the, the way that God speaks to his people as he's warning them or rebuking them or encouraging them in, in the hope of the future in these prophets is just so refreshing. And so in Isaiah chapter 45, uh, he just says a very simple verse, verse 22. He says, Turn to me, 
and be saved all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. And there's, uh, again, there's more there. You keep reading, it's just very encouraging. But just the simplicity of that, uh, it's a couple aspects of it is, first, just his his desire for the nations, uh, turn to me and be saved. Mm-hmm. He's not speaking only to, to Israel. He's not speaking only to one particular nation, but he's speaking to the world. Uh, and, and that his desire is for all the ends of the earth to know that he is the Lord. And that's what the verse clearly communicates. Uh, and, and the reason why he wants everyone to turn to him is because he says there's just no other option. He says, I am God, there is no other. Hmm. And I think that the reality that there's just no other, no other option besides the Lord, I think this is uh, in, to some degree what sanctification is, is being more and more convinced of this reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, that uh, I just think of when in John chapter uh, chapter six, when Jesus talks about the bread of life and the huge crowds, they all leave him and he turns to his disciples and he says, are you guys going to leave too? And, and Peter just has this response of, Lord, to whom shall we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. And he's just expressing the same thing that God says here in Isaiah 45, where God says, I am God and there is no other. Uh, that there's no other source of salvation or of deliverance of life. And in, in my life, just how, you know, again, what we're talking about, different circumstances, and I find myself in, in a different circumstance at home, you know, whether it's with kids or in, in marriage or circumstances at work or whatever it might be. And I try to, to deliver myself and, and fix it and, and deal with the, the issues uh, and the Lord just gently and faithfully, and sometimes not so gently, huh. just reminds me again <laughs> of this truth. He says, John, you're not God. Like, stop trying to, to act like in this circumstance, you're enough, because you're not. And so it's such a, a clear, clear reminder uh, that, that he is the Lord and I'm not. And I, again, like you, Kelly, I really like these just simple, simple reminders. Mm. I, I appreciate it a lot. Mm. I was going to say how just blunt it is. It's just, I love God's word. It's just, it says it like it is. There is no other. Mm. We, and we, we, I really feel like, uh, and I think John, you, you and I were in your office this morning and I said something about this. I really think that the issue that all the issues that we're going through in the world in the last few years, um, not just, not just the COVID stuff, but in, in our country with all of the social stuff that we're going through, I really feel that the the root of the problem in all of this is that the church is so weak. And I think it's weak because we, we, we've we walked away from what Connor's saying, just how we've walked away from the that bluntness. You know, it's not... It, Paul said that his fear was that we'd be led astray from simplicity and purity to Christ. He, he wasn't afraid that we would we would be led astray from, you know, worship. Our Bible study, our Bible school, you know, but but he was afraid we'd be led astray from Christ, and I, I that's that's so clear. And I think in what we do with Scripture so often, we make it difficult. You know, we 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 muddle it, muddy it. Uh, there, there, it's 
there it is. He is, you know, it's it's Jesus and Jesus alone. Yeah, and and I think too that how sensitive we are to uh, to to being, you know, we use terms of too too extreme or not tolerant, and and God just isn't tolerant of other gods, right? And and you look at. He says that he's the only solution for every culture. And so every group of people, every society, doesn't matter what kinds of things culturally are appropriate or acceptable. It it doesn't matter. This transcends cultures. Mm -hmm. And recognizing that, you know, if, if God is the only source of life for every person in every culture and in every nation then that means that everything that God says in his word is applicable and relatable to every culture. Mm-hmm. And we don't need to change the word to relate to the culture. Right. But we figure out how is it that the culture relates to the word. Mm-hmm. Because the word is a source of truth. And, and so recognizing that, that we don't need to, to try to make scripture fit, uh, but we recognize that God and his word, like that's the authority. And it's just the bottom line. I, yeah, I really appreciate that bluntness. He draws a line in the sand and says, mm. it's me or nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Connor, what do you have? Yeah, there's a, a verse in Psalm 115, the very first verse, I have grown to love and appreciate. And I just did my uh, sister-in-law's wedding. And as we were doing the rehearsal, I, I looked over and I saw this verse on their wall. And I just... Uh, just loved that that was posted there. It's massive writing, massive wall. Um, but it's Psalm 115 in verse one. It says, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name, give glory because of your loving kindness, because of your truth. And maybe it's because I teach church history. And I see so many times where man takes power and man takes the glory and takes the fame. And, you know, in history, we have this great phrase that says power corrupts yeah. and absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. Right. And, you know, authority is not inherently wrong. Obviously, God makes it in the beginning, you know, in Genesis before sin enters the world. Authority is right. It is good under the essence and under the, you know, in submission to God. But power will corrupt and absolute power will corrupt absolutely humankind because we quite literally are not made to handle it. We cannot handle the glory that is due (laughs) rightly and only to God. Quite literally, it will destroy us. Mm. It will take us and it will crush us. Um, You know, and it will crush us by our own pride and our, and our own, um, just desire to see it grow and grow and grow. That's how it crushes us. You know, it doesn't suppress us. It actually overwhelms us is what it does. Um, and so, you know, when man receives glory, we, we, we take, and then we use that to gain more and gain more and gain more. Whereas, and so it's, it's a very selfish ambition where, you know, I look at this verse then on the contrast. So the writer very clearly, not to us, O Lord, not to us. We can't handle it. But to your name, give glory because of your, because of your loving kindness, because of your truth, when God receives the glory that is rightfully due to him, he doesn't just take, 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 but he actually takes and then disperses. Mm. He actually takes and then gives back. Mm. Right. And in when glory is given to him, he responds not with further addition and gaining, but rather he gives and makes known his love 
his kindness and his truth to us in a greater degree. We actually are there like in a sense, like we are blessed the most in a sense mm. when God receives the glory, because mm. now we see God in a much clearer and beautiful way of his character, that he is love. He is in the kindness of God and he is the truth of God when he is rightly glorified in me. And so it's almost a paradox, you know, when, when, when we, when we give him the glory he deserves, we are more richly blessed in our own just experience. I think of walking with him that comforts our heart. It's, it's a type of security to freedom that's there when, you know, when the enemy tries to say, no, take the glory, receive the glory, right. live in the glory that will free you. No, it binds us. It crushes us. It destroys us. Well, that, that that's right in line with with the beginning of Genesis. You know, I, I, I tell our students that in order to properly understand Scripture, you have to have a really good understanding of, the, of at least the first three chapters of the Bible. And that's how we were created. You know, we were created in the image of God to reflect Him, how by Him living, you know, He's living His very image out of us. That's the only way we can, that, that we can reflect His image. That's the only way that we can live His image is if He's living His image out of us. Mm-hmm. And it was, and, and that was the serpent's temptation, you know, that, hey, listen, you can do this mm-hmm. on your own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, 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 so, and so now even today, that's our, that's that, our whole mo. Yeah, you can. You're the author of good and evil, and you create the definition, the boundaries of that. Yeah, and in there's the lie of freedom, the lie of 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 advancement, self promotion mm-hmm. based on you know what you think, and it's just that that humanistic reasoning. We've seen just the the darkness of that. Yeah, yeah. I think I think the uh, the reality of glory. Uh, as the Lord just desires to, uh, you know, as part of the inheritance that we share with Christ, uh, and He He mentions in Ephesians chapter five, you know, you're talking about the the reality of needing to not just be seeking our own glory, but we're we're seeking the Lord's glory to Your name alone be the glory, and we we submit to that. We submit to to God as the Creator, the Designer of all things. And, and it says in Ephesians 5 that Christ's intention with his bride, the church, as the church submits to Christ, then the church is, is washed clean by the renewing of the word. Uh, and, and it's mm-hmm. like the, the Lord's desire is to present the church in glory. And that takes place. One, on the one hand, it's, it's 100%. It's the Lord's doing. It's Christ. Mm-hmm. But his calling on the church and on the believer's life is submission. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That as we submit to him and his authority and, and his greatness and his wonder and his glory, his desire for us to come under him is out of his heart of loving kindness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. And and that's why we're so blessed, like you were saying. It, it, it only makes sense that that's where we find our blessing because that's what we were designed for. And that's We were designed to be blessed. But not from our own effort mm-hmm. you know, it's it's you know as as we're yielding to him he's glorified we receive the blessing it, it's not it's not because we've achieved something yeah you know, but it, it's it's because everything is functioning as intended to function according to creation yeah mm-hmm Okay. What about you, Kelly? All right. Well, I, well, I'm really struggling here between two different passages, <laughs> uh, and, and both of them are found in Hebrews. But I think I'm, I'm going to 
I think <laughs> let's 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 do Hebrews thirteen. A very um, just another like like John was talking about earlier. Just a simple reminder, uh, and it's found in verse five. You know, just a reminder that Hebrews is the presentation of Christ being better. And within the context, again, in Hebrews, all the things that we find that Jesus is better than are all the writers using a whole bunch of things that God has given. So like the angels and the law and uh, the rest, Mm -hmm. you know, all these things we're finding that he's he's better than all of these God-given things. The problem is when we take a God-given thing and put it in the place of Christ, that it becomes a bad thing because yeah. it's not what he has. That's not what he's giving. And, um, and, and so, the, you know, translation from these examples that are given in the, in the book of Hebrews of Old Testament things easily translates to, to the New Testament when we think about all these things we, that are good that the Lord gives us that we put in the place of Christ. And so in verse 5, he says... Uh, make sure that your character is free from the love of money, being content with what you have. So be careful that we're not that that, that we're not trying to find this contentment in in other things. You know, like we have a family business, and the Lord is blessing us with that business, enabling us to make a living with that business. Well, if if I'm not careful, the the living that we make can all of a sudden take a place in my life that it was never intended to take. Mm-hmm. Even though it's from the Lord, I make it something it isn't and can never be. So what does he say then? He says, now, now this is our contentment. I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. And so often, you know, we look at this, and some of this is, I'm just really starting to, 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 to it's, it's being clarified even now as I'm sitting here talking is that so often we can, we can take these things, you know, our contentment, our, um, our security comes from, uh, in this verse, you know, monetary things uh, that, that, you know, perhaps the Lord has given us. And, you know, we can, we can twist that in such a way to where we, make, we can make it sound spiritual, but really I think the big test is if it's taken away, does it really affect you? Mm-hmm. You know, does it does it does it shake you? Does it change you and 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 you and the Lord? And um, so anyway, the, the the reason this grabs my attention, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. You know, those six years that we were away, that we had, had left his hill, and uh, and were back back home helping with my my parents. You know, th- there was a a lot of days. Every day for six years was a trial for me, was a test. And it was very clear what was going on. You know, to me, it was very clear. Well, the Lord was asking me a simple question from the beginning for six years. Do you believe that I am sovereign? And, you know, just sitting there, I remember probably it was the first, if, if not one of the very first quiet times I had after leaving here. Yes, Lord, I believe. Mm. So then, Kelly, you you believe that I've got this. Well, yeah. And then the next thought would come. Then let me. 
and it was six years of dealing with that, then let me. And it was it was kind of like, you know, okay, Kelly, you've been teaching this for 25 years. Now, let's test you. Do you really believe this? Mm. Kind of like Abraham being tested by God. You know, after all those years, it says, and God tested Abraham. Mm-hmm. And Abraham's test, at the end of it, he came to say, the Lord will provide. And this is interesting how that all fits together. The Lord will provide. And so it all culminated really this year. You know, we've been back for two years. My mother passed away in 2020. And that was, you know, you know, guys, it does not matter how old you get. When your parents die, it affects you, especially if you've had a close relationship with them. And mom died 80 years old, and I missed her by the time I got to the parking lot mm-hmm. at the hospital. And I leaned over to Arlene, and I said, I already miss her. Um, and then when dad passed away in April of this year, um, at, at 92, almost 93, um, I can tell you it was a very, and still is, I was thinking about this yesterday, a very surreal feeling to think that both people who have known you longer than anybody else <laughs> are no longer here. And, you know, there is there is joy, there is uh, uh, thanksgiving, in the, in the, and knowing that they are walking with the Lord, they are with Him. And, and uh, and and that they enjoy that fellowship with him together, you know that they they're together with the saints. They're together enjoying this relationship to to a height that I can't imagine. But still, you know, I'm I'm 56, and still there's there's this thing, and maybe it's because I'm the oldest. I, I don't know that you know that these are the two people who've known me my whole life. They've known me longer than my wife has known me mm-hmm. and they're not here and the lord is just with me and saying okay do you believe that i'm sovereign yes lord do you believe i'm with you yes lord then let me you know, mm-hmm. let me care for you and i uh, and, and i'm so thankful for that you know and just just a you know part of you know he's quoting this from the old testament i think it's jeremiah I'm not sure i have to go back and look but that i will never leave you i will i will never forsake you and just the security not just i hate how we use that word so much you know but but the security that is ours in belonging to jesus is is something that should should carry us uh, all day, every day. No, that's so encouraging, Kelly. I just, yeah, that mm-hmm. that verse again is that simplicity, and and that call to contentment. But the contentment can can be present because of the person. Mm-hmm. And he said, you can be content with with much or with little because of Christ, and it's. It's the reality that the Lord is with us. 
And again, like Connor was mentioning earlier, it's just these simple truths that we just don't graduate from. Mm-hmm. We just relearn them over and over again because yeah. the Lord is so patient and gentle with us. <laughs> yeah. So he knows right. that we need it. Yeah. Oh, thank you, Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Uh, Kelly, you're close. It was, it was Deuteronomy. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's in the Old Testament. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I just flipped there as you were talking, because uh, I was just curious where it was as well. Uh, and I never saw that, you know, the crossroads from, and never gone back to it. But back in Deuteronomy, it says in 31, 6 and 8, it uses the word um, that he, he will not fail or forsake you. And, you know, Hebrews puts it, you know, that he does not, uh, he will never desert you, nor will I forsake you. And he kind of mm-hmm. has just the, just the idea of kind of turning his back and leaving, mm. you know. But his presence is always there. But there's, but Deuteronomy kind of brings up the point that he doesn't fail either. So he doesn't just leave. He doesn't just not leave. But but he also always leads in victory. Wow. You know. So the presence of God is always going to be there, and that presence is always leading us in victory mm-hmm. if we are willing to follow in faith. Oh wow! Praise the Lord. Yeah. And- in, in my Bible, there's also a cross reference there to, to Joshua chapter 1, verse 5. And so I just think of there to the same context or the same same reality that he's always going to lead in victory because that's about well, what's about to happen in Joshua. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, guys, I appreciate you giving me this time. I know you're probably always cringing as to when I'm going to ask you to be on the podcast. Uh, but you're always are, are both so accommodating and uh, as usual I drop this on you pretty short notice um, <laughs> and it's funny uh, sometimes I think we should just record from the time we walk in the door to the time we leave so everybody can hear all the conversations that goes on but one of the things we were talking about before we got started was okay you know this is how we're gonna do it we're gonna go around everybody share two verses uh, if you have comments Feel free to comment on that, and uh, I'll be really happy if we can fill 30 minutes. And, uh, and John looks at me and says, 30 minutes? Uh, says, you know, I'm, I have, I'm pretty short with things I have to say. And I said, that coming from a torchbearer speaker, and we all laugh knowing that, you know, yeah. you give us 15 minutes and we'll take three hours. Yeah. Uh, but uh, so here we stay true to that. Uh, before editing, we're almost at 60 minutes now, so I'll be doing some cutting out of this. But anyway, guys, uh, thanks a lot. I appreciate yeah. you being here and taking part in this. Thank yeah, you, it's a joy. It really is a joy. It's great. The weeks have flown on by, and we have somehow passed the middle mark of our fall term here at Bible School. It has been a lovely semester so far, and we are very thankful for this group of students. Please keep this group in your prayers as the semester continues to unfold, that their hearts would become even more acquainted with Christ and even more eager to know Him better. Registration for the 2023-2024 school year opened earlier this week. If you or someone you know is interested in applying, please check out our website at hishill.org to apply. We have been filling up pretty quickly the last few years, so please be sure to get the application process rolling to secure your spot. You've been listening to the His Hill podcast featuring our host, Kelly Doherty, along with the His Hill teaching staff. Thank you so much for tuning in with us this week. Remember to keep your eyes fixed on Christ, alumni. We serve a beautiful God, and He is worthy of our trust. I'm Lizzie, and we'll see you next week.